This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Tough night for the Knicks. Plus, the March movie mayhem rolls on. We discuss it next. And we do it with you at 1-800-919-3776. Also be a Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at Gordon Damer, the verified Gordon Damer. And also at ESPNNY 98 underscore 7 FM, along with World of Thrill and Brian the Brain. We're here until midnight. Then there's Freddie and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Mr. Verified Blue Check. Yeah, I have to come up with something that rolls off the tongue a little bit more. Uh, I don't know what it is. M- Mr. Verified? 100% yeah, so. Verified? I'm not sure what it is. We'll come up with something here. The How are we doing tonight? Inver- uh, Gordon, the ultimate in verification, Damer. Yes. I, look, again, <laughs> now that I am verified, they will be doing away with the program momentarily. <laughs> before the so. but before the end of uh, the NCAA tournament, people will be rejecting their blue check marks like you read about. <laughs> well, I'll say this, Gordon. Uh, people will be able to see just the way we'll be able to see your blue check mark when they weigh in on our vote as we have Region 3 tonight in our March movie Mayhem as we roll on to try to find out who is the greatest hero and the greatest villain in movie history. Yeah, and uh, some interesting results last night. And a couple of interesting matchups tonight, and we'll see. You know, somebody, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Jake Montgomery. He said, mm-hmm. well, how do you think this plays out? And I said, you know, I, I really don't know. That's I, good. It does, I don't feel like I have a real good read for, for you know, oh, it, you know, other tournaments we've done, it's clear. This is going to be there. That's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of a variation at this point. It's, a, it's like the Final Four. could really be anything at the end of the day. Good. That's what you want. That is what you want. You Unlike Joe want... Girardi, that is what you want. Joe Girardi <laughs> exactly. never told us what it was he wanted, but he always told us what he didn't want. But oh, I know what he what wanted. Want. He yeah. wanted Gary Sanchez to be a better catcher. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of that. people have wanted that, Gary. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of people wanted Gary to step up, and uh, that has not happened. So That has not we'll happened. See, we'll see if that happens in Minnesota now. Absolutely, it has not happened. And unfortunately, uh, it's, cost, it's cost the manager his job <laughs> because he didn't step up. Yeah, and it's cost Gary his job now, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it has. Well, Gordon, um, the Knicks played tonight, and don't mistake what I'm about to say, okay? As a Knicks fan, they were competitive. They were in the game. I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. They were competitive. Uh, You know, this is a Charlotte team that had beaten last week at home. You knew Charlotte is trying to hold on to their spot with the Nets quickly breathing down their neck, and the Knicks just couldn't find a way to play defense. They weren't as sharp as they've been. You knew they were bound to have a down performance after winning four straight. This was the down performance, and they lost. But I'm okay with it. I was actually flipping between the Yankee-Blue Jay game and Ooh. the Nick game, and I'm saying to myself, which one is, is more meaningless? <laughs> which one has less riding on it? Uh, the Nick game. I think, I think it was the Nick game, yeah. The I think Nick the Nick game, game has less riding on it. So, um at this point, you know, there was a stage not that long ago that if the Knicks had gone into the buy and buy, they could have dropped down, maybe improved their, their lottery chances mm-hmm. by a couple of percentage points here and there. Right. Uh, but I think that opportunity is now gone, and it's just you're just kind of playing out the string now. So you, you want to see some guys play well. It wasn't yep. great to nope. hear the stuff that Julius Randle heard before the game, not saying that it wasn't maybe deserved to a certain degree, but mm-hmm. – not great that that's the way things are, that that's the, the, the mood as we head down the stretch of the season, yeah. but yeah. we are where we are. 
we are where we are and it is what it is and and that's the situation and it's it's like a lot of marriages Gordon it's not pretty and and this is like a lot of divorces it's not pretty the marriage was great last year the marriage newlyweds everybody was happy you know and, and he was performing well and the Knicks were performing well and this has been the year of the divorce and uh, you know, he was out there, I saw him a couple of times on the sideline, rubbing his leg and his thigh, which means that he's still injured. Went to the locker room on the, on occasion, which means he's still injured. And you know what that means? He shouldn't play. Shouldn't play. Shut him down. There's nothing to, there's nothing to be gained by having him play. What, are you going to shop him? Because he, well, you're going to wait and see what he did the final five games of the season if, if you're talking to him? That's somebody's mind, right? Oh, well, yeah. you know, those last five games, he really he really played well. Now, this is the, oh, we got to have him. This is the real Randall, yeah. <laughs> we got to have him. We need him right away. Oh, what's Come on, let's just try to make this deal now. No, come on. Sh shut him down. And, uh, you know, I understand. I mean, in in a in a mathematician's world, I get it. They haven't been eliminated yet. They have, they have to go five and one in their last six to be eliminated, you know, to still have a shot. Well, here's the one. Okay, so right. uh, if you think they're winning five straight, uh, no, sorry, that that's not happening. I mean, I know they won four straight, but that you know they're not playing that. They're not good enough to do that. If they no. were, they would have had a four game winning streak earlier than now. And even if a magic, uh, even if a unicorn came down, an actual unicorn, not the the one that used to be playing for the Knicks, and and granted them a wish of making it into the play in tournament, they don't belong there. No. This is not a team that, like, you, you think to yourself, well, you know, if we could just get into the play-in, we would actually be able to knock off a team, maybe get into a playoff series. They're not that team. That nope. This is not their year. So no. it's about moving forward, and it's, it's pretty clear at this point they're going to have to move forward without Julius Randle. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how yeah. they're going to move him, but there, there's no way that they can go. Like, last offseason we said it's clear that they have to improve the overall talent of the team. They're just not talented enough, and mm -hmm. they failed. They completely yeah. failed. It, uh, the, the great mysterious Oz has not come out from behind his curtain, but yeah. he, he completely failed in Leon Rose, and he has to, this offseason, figure out a way to take Julius Randle, package him someplace for something of value that makes this team better. Yep. That's not going to be easy. This is going to be a far more difficult all season than last off. Last offseason should have been easy. Yeah. This right. offseason is going to be hard, moving that guy, that contract, that player, and get something of value back. You can't just move them and, and, and get a situation where we just got to get them out of here and whatever we take back. No. I mean, you got to improve the overall talent. He's one of your pieces to do so. So you better get to work. You're right. You're right, and and as you mentioned, it's not going to be easy because he's not the same player he was. So you can't move him for what you thought you were going to get. You also have to make a decision about Mitchell Robinson. Are you bringing him back? Are you going to offer him uh, a contract? And you know to to stay with this team. He's he's shown you some improvement. He's really been a force. Uh, you know, ten rebounds, six points tonight, uh, eight off the offensive glass. I really would like to see more on the defensive glass for him too. But listen, he's, he, he gives them second chances, and that's what you love about him. Uh, you know, my concern would be twofold, Gordon. My concern with Mitchell Robinson is his ability to stay healthy. If, I, if I'm paying him, you know, what, how often is he going to be available? I mean, that's number one. And number two, you know, after what happened with Julius Randle, Gordon, I'm, I'm wondering if I pay him, what, what, what Mitchell Robinson am I getting next year now? You know, well, is he doing this way? Is he coming back and performing like this, A, with a natural progression to be better? Or is this a contract push? 
they have to be they have to know that now, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they I don't they have to they don't have to tell us, but they have to know what the answer to that question is. If you can't scout a guy that you drafted and you've had here for the last 3 years and you know, okay, this is his level, he's already met it. Oh no, he has a different level and we know for a fact that if we give him this or give him that that he's going to blossom into this player. Mm-hmm. Well then okay, fine. But you I mean, they have to know. If you can't scout your own player, well, then what? You have no chance, no chance of, of ever turning it around or, or trading for something else. That's a guy that you have to know exactly where his level is and whether or not he's matched it or whether you have to kind of – you'd be better off spending the money elsewhere. You know, it is really amazing, uh, Gordon, about how – and I don't know the role that Kenny Payne had. I mean, obviously when he came here – from the bench in Kentucky, you could see last year it really spurred on Julius Randle, right? It, it, it was, it was. He he knew this guy. It was a guy he worked with in college. There was a comfort level. This year, Kenny Payne's still here, and, and it's just it is a mystery as to what happened with him to start out this season. It, it's really amazing to try to figure it out. I mean, I heard uh, Lagreca and Rosenberg, and by the way, uh, from us here at ESPN New York tonight, get well, Michael K. Yes, absolutely. Um, of course, that's the real lead. Yeah, yeah. You know, so get well, Michael. We we love you. Um, to to hear what Randall wrote last year in the Athletic about reputation and how this was the opportunity to change his reputation and how some of the things he did and he was playing ball with his son and his son was mimicking some of the movements that he made on the court going after officials, which made him think, "Wow, I really need to change." What happened to that guy? What happened to the guy who was, who, Gordon, who's got commercials? I mean, I'm watching Vroom. You, know, you better take that car back. There's a nick on it. I mean, you know, all, all, just from last year, all the things that, that he was able to accomplish, how he had changed everything. And just to see it go right back into reverse of the first year, Gordon, this is one of the biggest turnarounds I've seen in a long time in this town. Yeah, it feels like a complete fraud, right? I mean, it feels like it was completely orchestrated and it's not the real guy. I mean, there's how else can you feel, right? I mean, yeah. he, he went from one a, a maddeningly and frustrating player in that first season, and then last year, he was brilliant. He was everything you could have asked for, everything you could have hoped for, and way more. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody, any Nick fan, any realistic Nick fan, would have thought that Julius Randle could have played at that level for the entire. I mean, MVP chance. This was a guy people were willing to drive out of town. You heard the countless stories that he got in and he worked on his body and he's changed his game. And and seven years, seven years into a career, he had completely changed who we thought he was and and had. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just a barrage. But then you come into this year and it's a lot of the same habits. It's it's not just the, 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 the play that had regressed a little bit because I think that was fair to be expected, mm-hmm. but the attitude, which has just been an issue all year. And I am sure that if and when Julius Randle gets traded, the stories will start to come yes. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stories will start to come out. And you, you talked about that Vroom commercial. That mm-hmm. Vroom commercial ends with him saying, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. It might be time to shoot a new Vroom commercial. <laughs> it might be. It might be. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Also be a Twitter at Hardish the ESPN at ESPN NY ninety eight underscore seven FM at Gordon Damon. Let's go to the phones. Kevin is in the Bronx. He starts us off on the Wednesday night edition of ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Kev. Hi. How you guys doing? Uh, thanks for taking my phone call. Love you guys as always. You know, but um, 
I do got kind of a bone to pick with you guys, but I'm not so, you know, I'm not going to be so hard on you because you do talk about, you know, his flaws. Uh, I think I'm still going to say the coach is the biggest problem. And, you know, I think they just need to package both of them, uh, Julius Randle and him, and get them out of here. Julius Randle is definitely not going to work out in New York. He doesn't have the mental uh, toughness to do that. And um, he's a powder. You can't have a powder as your leader. And Larry, um, you know, yes, Julius Randle is a powder and he's doing all of this. But who's the reason why he's having so much problems? You can't give, keep on giving this guy the ball to bring down court. I mean, the, the turnovers, too much of Randle to me is the problem. And now Thibodeau is going to come out, I mean, a, a few hours ago talking about uh, – how he sees potential in the young guys. You should have been playing the young guys. And with that being said, you know, I'm not going to let Leon Rose off the hook either because I think the biggest problem is that's not the type of coach for what you say you were going to do. You know, guys, that Tom Thibodeau is not coming here to rebuild anything. He wants to win now. And that was the impression we got that we're going to do, you know, we're going to kind of come from the ground up. And then he tried his quick fix, and it's not working. But I really think that the style of coaching, uh, what these these kids are getting, is not going to help them in the future. And I don't see the reason why we should, you know, start the season off next year with Tom Thibodeau. You know, I just I just don't see it. I think he overachieved as 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 as, as well as Randall because of, uh, of the situation with the season last year. We it was a bubble, so you know it was like he was playing in a practice gym, and they had an advantage of that. And also, you know, the guys, the effort they gave on the Tom Thibodeau because you know his drill style. And mm-hmm. But as, as far as I see, guys, I don't think uh, this man is going to work out. Both of them, I don't think. I think the problem with Mitch Robinson is he needs a different type of coach. And then we won't be so skeptical about, okay, if he could hold up or is he going to get better. I think he just needs better coaching. And thanks for I taking my phone Kevin. call. And I want to say it. big up to Buddha in the Bronx, man. All, All right, right, Kevin. Always. Thanks for the phone call. A uh, couple things. Um, for Mitchell Robinson, this is not his first coach. <laughs> He's had a couple no. already. So so we have to wait and see what, what's the deal with him, who is going to be his best coach. Listen, there's no question that what you said is true. Uh, you have to – Leon Rose and Gordon's been saying it all the time. Leon Rose and Wesley and Perry, those guys in the front office, they got to do a better job. This is this is mostly if you had a pie. You remember remember in high school we had those pies. Mm-hmm. Right, what's what's percentage is what percentage is that? Okay, let's be honest. Seventy five percent of this is on the front office. Okay, seventy five percent because they didn't get the right people to to make this team better. So that's that's seventy five percent of it. And I think the rest of it is between Julius Randle and Tom Thibodeau. Now, what you're saying is he wasn't the right coach. Well, for management, he was the right coach because the, his job was to make this team relevant. And by them not only overachieving with not a very talented roster, not only getting into the postseason last year, but being the four seed. Yeah, they were eliminated right away. But, and, and with the talent, they were supposed to be eliminated right away. But this team hadn't been to the postseason since I don't know when. So he did his job there. Uh, as far as him coming back, he's going to be back next year. There's no question. Now, how long a leash will he have? I don't exactly know because this is a major drop-off from where they were supposed to be. So, Gordon, for me to think that he's going to come in here next year and he's going to skate by again, no, they're going to need to have, depending on the moves they make, 
he's going to need to have a pretty good start to the season because even though I know that, uh, you know, they don't want to continue to pay coaches who are no longer on the payroll, who are no longer coaching, uh, and he's got two more years after next year, uh, if he if he can, if he's if they're off to the same slow start, you have to do something. You're gonna have to move him. Yeah, I mean we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, I know what the the caller is saying, but you have to also exist on planet Earth. And if you're living on planet Earth, you know that Tom Thibodeau is going to be back here next year. Uh-huh. Uh, they're not they're not going to change coaches. I mean they, they they've already gone through the change coaches every year, every two years, that whole rigmarole. Uh, he he's a credible coach. Is he? Did he get the most out of the talent this year? Probably not. But again, I agree with you, Larry. To me, most of this season went awry because the moves that you made in the off season, and they just weren't on the same page. I mean, they're just not on the same page. They have, they have some people in the front office who kind of want to look to to the future. You have a coach that it's clear that he's dealing with the present. They got to figure out what their path forward is, and. Last offseason should have been easy. I mean, just to improve the overall talent with all the cap space that you had, and and they completely botched it. So it's not only that they have to have a better offseason, they have to have a really good offseason. Having a better offseason should be easy. Having a good offseason, that might be a little bit more difficult. It's almost as if, Gordon, that James Dolan gave uh, Thibodeau and the front office two different mandates. Right. They gave the front office, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build through the draft. I want you to get some young players. I want us to have sustainable success so that we can, you know, be relevant again. Okay. That, that's what I, I want to have, you know, let's build through the draft. Let's get as much talent as we can in here. And he, the conversation they had with Thibodeau is, I want to win. Okay, I, I want to win. I don't just want the Rangers to be the team that wins in here. I want to have – I want as many – I want as many playoff dates as I can get in, in May, in, in April, May, and June. And so I want you to do what you do. Hard defense, push them, make sure they play well. It's almost like they have two different mandates. Well, they, they're they doing what the Giants are doing, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. going to win, but we're also going to rebuild. And we saw how that works with the last GM. That <laughs> was a complete <laughs> failure. They couldn't do either. They did both of them. Ter- you could make it hard. Which one did they do worse? Yeah, it, it, It's really hard to win. And then it's really hard to win while you're also rebuilding. You know, like the Knicks could have won more games this year if Leon Rose decided to go all in last offseason. Mm-hmm. They could have won out and got more. But he wanted to kind of keep that flexibility of, you know, I don't really want to commit to anybody long term here. Uh, I don't see these as long term pieces per se but I want to kind of improve the overall talent on the roster and those moves have not worked. So they got to pick a side. They can't, they can't do both. They got to yeah. decide, do we want to, do we want to build here or do we want to win now? Uh, because they've not done really either of them this year. They have not. And as you mentioned, the job gets much tougher now because you really have to go. And, and plus who wants to come here now? Okay. you you almost took a several steps backwards because even though you had some interest because of what you accomplished last year, Despite the fact of, of the reputation that Thibodeau has around the league as a guy that, you know, you start to hear that voice, and after a couple of years, you don't want to hear that voice anymore. <laughs> you're just done with it. You're well, done with him yeah, yelling. Yeah, you're three, right? Yeah, that's that's generally when it starts to rear its ugly head. Exactly, because you, you've okay, yeah, okay, I got it. I, I know I'm playing defense. Leave me alone. So, you know, that's what you're starting to hear. So now you're in the scenario where, okay, we took a major step back. What did they do? I mean – 
Gordon, Fournier has not played badly since the All-Star game. What do you do? Do you package him because he hasn't played badly? Do you try to keep him and see if you bring another point guard? Bring another point guard. If you bring a point guard in here and another wing player, is there a position that possibly you'll be able to, you know, make this work? Because he he showed you something. If if we if if we stop making him handle the ball, if he just is a catch and shoot guy, maybe that's what he is. You know, so and what are we going to do with Derrick Rose? And what are we going to do with the Obi Toppin and these young players? And what are we going to do with the guys who are injured who are coming back? I mean, they've got major decisions to make on this club, major. Yeah, it's almost like the real work hasn't begun. That's how it kind of feels. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have R.J. Barrett, and, and you like some of the promise of, of some of the young kids. But, I mean, outside of R.J. Barrett, I, I don't really feel confident saying I know for sure anybody else is going to be on the roster when the Knicks are making are winning. The next time the Knicks win a playoff series, I don't know who's going to be on the roster. Like, if it's true, these rumors about Donovan Mitchell being available, <laughs> what would you like, my friend? Yeah, exactly. Where would you like to go shopping? Absolutely. Talking Knicks, we will so, turn our attention to uh, Gordon Bruce Arian saying, you know what? I don't want to deal with Tom Brady. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I have to tell you, Larry, I've been hiding a secret. Oh. I've been hiding a secret. I am so okay. relieved. I just heard in the, in the update there, mm-hmm. the U.S. men's soccer team has qualified for the World Cup. Oh, Larry, thank God. Whoo! I was so worried. I was so, oh, I was so concerned. I, I mean, what would I do if, uh, if they had not? This sounds like shekels were placed. No, no, no shekel. Oh no, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't risk money on something that you're you're that this concerned about, Larry. This is this is completely revamped my entire summer. Is it summer that that takes place? My entire summer schedule has to be revamped now that I know that the U.S. has made the World Cup. No, yes for you. No. Mm-mm. I nope. have to. I have ESPN, to buckle down. ESPN Plus. Yes, where, where, wherever it is. I'll have to wherever figure that is. out wherever at some it is. point. Yeah, wherever. And you also have they to They could be playing it on the, the moon, Larry. I'll, exactly. be, I'll, be, I'll be checking in. You, I know you will. Oh, I know you will. You'll be all over it. All over it. Breaking it down, as LaGreca says, like a fine powder. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait. I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm counting down the days. I don't know when it starts, but I'm counting, I'm counting them down anyway. I know, I know. You know, we're going to have to listen to Gundling's podcast now. Maybe. You know, this will keep keep us updated. We'll try. Yeah, no question about it. And now you have to keep us updated on what's going on with the March movie mayhem, my friend. Yes, it is that time, isn't it, Larry? Yes. It is uh, time for a new round. We have two more participants into the Elite Eight. And, you know, sometimes you don't know how to feel about these results. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel, but Shooter McGavin has taken out Apollo Creed. What? Yep. I mean, Shooter McGavin was the number one seed, so good job by the selection committee. They did. He did hold off Apollo Creed. Strong performance from Apollo Creed, but uh, no, Shooter McGavin is in. And Rudy, the number three, takes out the number two in Jesus Shuttlesworth. What? Yeah, we got a couple there. So it's uh, Pedro Serrano, Mr. Miyagi, Shooter McGavin, and Rudy Rudiger, Daniel Rudiger, on the left side of the bracket. Tonight we start to solve the right side of the bracket. Unbelievable. Right, so let's get to it. Region 3, the number one seed there, the, the number one overall seed. Let's hope he doesn't perform like Gonzaga. The number one seed is... I just want to say one thing to my wife who's home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! 
Yes, that was me after the U.S. Uh, qualified. I think they even lost <laughs> the thing like 2 nothing. 2 nothing in soccer is like a blowout. 2 nil. 2 nil. Oh, of course, Larry. That's, that's what I always, I always say nil. I always. <laughs> I'm always on the nil. I heard you do updates for seven hours on another station. You always said nil. You just nil forgot. every time. <laughs> I was I was big about that, and, and and it was the Stanley Cup final. It's not the Stanley Cup finals. That's right. It's the, one the, final. Not, don't not be hockey. Finals. Yeah, it's the, the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> so you got Rocky is the number one seed. The number five going up against Mr. Balboa is. It's a family model. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. Wow. Want to make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. Yes, of course, Rod Tidwell. And, you know, I was doing a little research on that movie. The, the, the writer of that movie is Cameron Crowe, very famous screenwriter, director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually thought that the, the term Quan that he came up with for Rod Tid- Tidwell, that that uh-huh. was going to be the term that kind of took off from the movie that everybody retwe- you know, retweeted but quoted all the time. Right, but, of course, right. it turned out to be show me the money. So Rod Tidwell against Rocky in our first matchup. And then in matchup number two, someone who very easily could win this whole thing, the number two seed is... I'm stupid. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. Uh, you're very good looking. I'm not attractive. Of course, that is Happy Gilmore. He will be going up against our St. Peter's Larry, the number Ooh. 14, Ooh. who is. Hey! I don't recognize this guy. Say hey! Billy Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays? Run like Hayes. And that is the one clip that involves Willie Mays Hayes that we can play on the air. So there you go, Larry. Our matchups for tonight. Rocky versus Rod Tidwell. Happy Gilmore against Willie Mays Hayes. And voting is now open. At Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Vote, vote, vote. Gordon, this, this, is, this is taking a strange turn. Over the, these past couple of days, I saw, you know, Forrest Gump go down to Mr. Miyagi, and I, I'm really surprised. I mean, I'm, the the thing that really turned this tournament for me, Clubber Lang got out early. Clubber Lang was gone quickly, a number two, <laughs> so he got taken out by Forrest Gump. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Uh, I think that if I had to make a prediction, I think that Rocky is the number one overall seed. Mm-hmm. But you never know if these people don't vote. It, and with our vote totals, it only takes a couple of weirdos to change the whole thing. So, <laughs> please, normal people, you know who you are. At least I hope so. Go vote on Twitter, please. Right now, once again, at Gordon Damer, at Hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Let's go back to the phones at 1-800-919-3776. Anthony is in Paramus. He's next on 98.7. Hey, Ant. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Hey, Anthony. I just uh, I wanted to chime in on the Knicks conversation a little bit. Um, the Knicks really need to think big picture, and, you know, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle's just not getting it done. Um, I know it's a little bit of a long shot, but I think they really need to call the Pelicans and talk about a Zion Williamson deal. It could work out for both sides. And Zion's played with R.J. They have played together. They're former teammates, Anthony, but 
I tell you, I gotta, I gotta have some, <laughs> I gotta have some assurances that Zion A is going to be in shape, and B, with the injuries that he's had. I mean, he hasn't played. What has he played? Two minutes this season. I mean, yeah, I, he's I, barely I, played. You know, he's played eighty-five games in his career. Eighty-five I mean, games in his career. It's unbelievable. He was in the same draft as RJ. I know. This Does he come with a receipt? <laughs> Do you get a receipt when you make the – look, if we're going to have, you know, pie-in-the-sky dreams about yes. where the Knicks should go, yep. Zion would not be the area. That is too risky. That is too much boom or bust. I got I to gotta get an extended warranty if I get him. And it's not just the, it's not just the, the injury concerns. Yeah. I worry about that guy's body as he ages, man. Yeah. He can't stay healthy now. What's it going to be like in five years? What's he going to be like in four years? Yeah. What a talent, too. What a talent. He is unique, man. He would be, he would be box he would office, be, no he question. Would be, he would be. You just, it's just scary to try to do something like that, you know, because you just don't know how available he's going to be. And, you know, listen, you, I mean, it's funny. Remember, Gordon, there were some folks who were like, Oh man, the Knicks didn't get Gordon Hayward. Why didn't they get Gordon Hayward? What's Gordon Hayward doing again? No. Sitting on the bench injured. Yeah, exactly. And you know who really wanted Gordon Hayward is Tom Thibodeau. I mean, that's yeah. the kind of move that he wants to make. He wants, and that's the thing where people, when the when the Giants say, "Well, we're going to win now, but we're also going to rebuild," it's nearly impossible to do that. You really you can't serve two masters. There has to be one that over seeds the other one. It can't mm-hmm. be that you're doing both at the same time. One always has. It's like having two favorite teams. Exactly. When they go up against each other, you got to be pulling for somebody. You can't just yep. be – it's not going to be a tie. Nope. Well, in the regular season, it could – never mind. Well, I, I know, <laughs> but you're not rooting for a tie, right? One team no, is always going to win out in your heart, so yep. yeah. you can't serve two masters. No, you That's can't. That's the way it is. That's right. That's right. You can't do it. But in the postseason, you're making – you know, in the NFL, you're making – you know. Well, everybody's got to get a chance. Did you get to ch- Did Timmy get to handle the ball today? Wait, wait until we see where this goes. We'll end up playing six more games because everybody's got to get a fair. We have to get equal amount to this side and equal amount to that side. That's right. I mean, I heard it already this morning. With uh, I was watching Get Up, and I heard it already. Where uh, <laughs> Mike Tannenbaum, who has a mock draft out by the way, we got to talk about that. Mike Tannenbaum says, "Okay, so why is it?" How, how come the second team gets four downs and the first team gets three? And then right. Greeny says, maybe, maybe it, it makes sense for you now to, when you when you win the coin toss, defer it. I'm like, oh, oh, oh my god, god. no! Then oh the third, po- if you don't score, then the third possession is the first possession. The first team that gets the ball first is going to get the ball third. I mean, oh no, no, that's no, that doesn't. No, that doesn't make sense. No, what are we doing? What are we doing? Oh my God, we've taken this beautiful. (laughs) We were. I've been showing the uh, the Godfather to my son. That's the the, the one we've been watching this week. How old is your son? He's fourteen. Okay, so he understands the horse head in the bed. Yeah, he kind of knew that already. So, but some of the other stuff, yeah, one is a lot easier to show a fourteen year old than two. two. (laughs) Yeah, two gets a little complicated with some of the stuff there. Uh, We've not we've not gotten there yet, Uh, but. When when they're um, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. When they're uh, I'll think of it again. It'll come right. to me later on. I know you. We'll, will. we'll move on. We'll move okay. on. I forgot what it was. I tell you what. We'll step away. Give you a chance to gather your thoughts, and we'll come back and take more phone calls as well on ninety eight seven ESPN. Going, you ready or are we back? 
Uh, no, I, th- I finally thought of it. You know, okay. we're talking about the NFL overtime rules. Yes. and ha- You know, we're changing this, we're changing that. We're watching Godfather, and it's, it reminds me of the scene where they bring Sonny into the, the Undertaker and, and Vito. They've but- Look at how they've butchered my boy. That's what I feel mm-hmm. like when we're talking about with these overtime rules. Like, we just keep butchering it. Just leave it alone. Everybody's got to have their hand. Oh, we got to do this. No, we got to improve it this way. We got to improve it that way. And, and you know who's to blame? We are. Yeah, everybody that complains, the NFL is picking up on that. They think, oh, well, everybody's complaining. We'll complain about it no matter what it is. Trust me, when the, if, if a game goes to overtime this upcoming season and something is a little whatever, right, it ends and, and we want it to keep going, people will complain. Well, maybe we need two possessions. Maybe we need this. Maybe we need that. Trust me, people will still complain. The best part in that scene is the expression on the undertaker's face. Oh, he, he right. You got to help him. You got to you got to fix him. And he's like, <laughs> and you got another body? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going to work. <laughs> can I use another? Can I use somebody else's face? <laughs> yeah. Got to go to work there. That was that was Ooh. I want him to fix him. I want you to fix him up so his mother doesn't see it. Oof. Sonny. Sonny took a lot of shots at the toll booth, right? Yes, yes he did. Yeah, he did. Oh, man. 1-800-919-3776. Let's see if I can pronounce this correctly. Is this Arib in Belmore? Arib, did I say it right? Yeah, absolutely perfect. How you guys doing, Gordon? Hey, Larry, how are guys? you? Hey, what's happening? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, didn't really know where I wanted to take the, the call uh, during the wait, but I just, you know, with the Knicks, it's just one word, guys. It's disappointment all around front office, players, coaches, seeing guys like Miles Bridges that we could have drafted, but we picked Knox. Uh, and he's just dominating the garden, man. It's just been tough. I'm 27 years old. I had one good playoff run in 2012. Yeah. Just like reevaluating everything, man. It's just been tough. <laughs> so, uh, you thinking about leaving the Knicks, or, or are you still sticking? You still hanging in there? Nah, man. I still love. I still love watching the Knicks. Okay. I go to a lot of games. I work right in Midtown, like right off Madison Ave okay. and 33rd. So I'm right there. Uh, I always catch games. I don't know, man. It's just tough. It's just tough. But I love the I love the young guys, Deuce, mm-hmm. RJ, Grimes, IQ. Yeah. But just seeing Randall like not click and not buy in, like we need yeah. to get rid of him. But like I I just you know I just guess I needed to vent a little bit. I'm not sure, man. What do you, what do you guys think? Like what's realistic? Like I don't want to talk about Zion. Like what's really re- realistic? For us to do this all season. Well, the, first of all, the realistic thing you can do, and thanks for the phone call, is go in the room and just scream as loud as you can. That's right. number one. That, that, that'll take care of that. Number two is you have to hope that this front office will rebound and have a, a phenomenal offseason where they address the needs of this team, even if it means giving up some of these draft choices that they have in the future, which we don't know what they're going to be because they're really just assets. You don't know... You look at how they've drafted previously, although I could say the last couple of drafts seem to have been better with quickly and Toppin starting around into form a little bit. We've seen some things here. I don't know how good these players are going to be, Gordon. You know, they may, who knows, maybe they've already reached their ceiling. I mean, I don't know. But once again, as you said earlier, you drafted them. You see them in practice every day. You have to know what their ceiling is. You're coaching them. You have to know. If you don't think they can be better than what you thought they can be or they don't have a high ceiling, then do us a favor. Don't waste them away sitting on the bench and dropping their their value even more. Package them in the deal and try to get better. 
okay, and and move on and and try to you know try to get better and get some other players in here, uh, and package them to try to move and get draft choices, other draft choices or better talent. That's what you have to do. You have to make some decisions. The, what you did this year, okay, and I think you chronicled chronicled it well, Gordon, about. You know, you don't want to give them too many years, but you, and you rather the money, but not the years, because this way you can get out of it quickly. You can't dip your toe in the water. You're either in or you're out, and that's how you have to. That's how you have to view this year. Going no, forward. no more half measures. Last year they tried to they tried to halfway it because it's pretty clear they didn't really believe in the group that they put together last year. Because if you really believed, okay, we're the four seed. We'll add this, we'll add that. You'd go all in. They kind of wanted to allow themselves to have that flexibility so if and when that disgruntled superstar becomes available, maybe they can make their push for why that is. And if you have Leon Rose, the former agent, as your GM, I think that that's the appeal of having that guy, that he's he's the the wheeler and dealer behind the scenes. He kind of knows more and has ways of getting information about players that maybe other teams don't. That did not bear any fruit clearly last offseason. So I don't think that they can do the halfway. You can't remain flexible until the, the right deal comes along. I think that nope. this offseason they, they have to push for that deal. They have, to, they have to be more definitive in what they want to do and where they see this team going. You can't just say, well, we'll just keep waiting here and just kind of treading water until that deal comes. You're going to have to force it somehow. I don't know. What would be realistic at this point? You know, you're asking what's realistic in the offseason. We're not even through the season yet. But I think one thing is, is they can't follow the same approach as last year of kind of just going halfway. They got to go all in on something. I just don't know what that is. And it's funny that he brought up Kevin Knox. Did you see tonight Kevin Knox, 17 off the bench for the Hawks? <laughs> <laughs> that guy. We need more guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, they got to strike first. You can't wait. You can't wait until you know the people you move the the high the better talents going early, Gordon. You know you don't want seconds and thirds. You want the top talent. So if you're going to do that, you have to move quickly. And they haven't done that, and that's why they ended up trying to you know broker a deal with. Wow, there's nobody left. Well, maybe we could talk to Boston about Kimber Walker, and you yeah. know maybe we could do you know because they waited too late. You have to jump on these things. You can't just sit back and and as you said, play it safe. You got to be aggressive. Yeah, and look, it's about playing the, the market kind of, right? You have yep. to kind of know, and, and you'd like to think that Leon Rose, as the former agent, would would have that would have better information about players from the players themselves. So uh, I don't know who that is that's going to become available, but they have to they clearly have to go more all in. Uh, I'm not going to say completely all in because this is still a work in progress, but they got to they got to make that kind of move that kind of tells you, okay, this is where we're at, and. And if, if Leon Rose is not able, able to identify or land that deal, then, like, what's his appeal? Yeah. I'm starting to, from personal experience, I'm starting to not really fall in love with this former agent GM idea. It, uh, I, I, look, it, it's Rob, uh, Rob Palenka has kind of worked for because he was able to get LeBron for that one year. But, yeah, it's not, it's not exactly working out here. Mm-mm. And I saw it firsthand how it killed the Met. Yeah, that did, not, that did not work. But I'll say this, as bad as Brody was, I think that this past offseason for Leon Rose was worse. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Because Brody, you know, Brody kept talking. Leon Rose hasn't said a word. 
<laughs> right, right. The man. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, Larry. You don't hear Leon Rose saying they're coming for us, but we, it's okay. Right. We got Come them. and get us. Yep. <laughs> Come and get us. All right. Well, all right. Where are you? All right. We'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> don't have to worry about that. Booth is in the Bronx. Hey, Booth, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, not to be a stickler for the, uh, the points, but I think that Magic Johnson was actually the one who brought LeBron in before Palenka yeah. took over. Oh, I thought, to I, thought I thought that Le- Palenka was the GM. Uh, you're probably right. I mean, I'm sure Magic. I think, I think it was Magic. I think it was yeah. Magic. Okay. That was one of those points that the people complain about out there. But anyway, listen, that, that, that's neither here nor there. I love you guys to death. You know, love my brother Kevin. You know, my brethren Kevin who called in earlier. You know, uh, I don't know about uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego, but where in the world is Val from the Bronx and Mark from Newark? I mean, guys, call in, man. Let us know you're alive, man. You know what I mean? We miss y'all, man. Yeah. Yo, listen. Tom Brady is draining. You know what I mean? Um, any and, and and I love Gordon. How you talk about the selection committee for your list? I, you know, I voted for all your your, your polls, and and they're great and everything. I just got one issue. I mean, if Dom Toretto can't be in there living his his life a quarter mile at a time, I don't think Forrest Gump should be in there. You know, I agree with you like uh, uh, four thousand percent on that. But um, listen, I got some optimism for y'all. You know what I'm talking about with you? the Knicks. You know, you feeling all right? I do, man. Listen, I'm good, man. I'm good. Right. You know, like I said, man. Listen, listen. Whitey is sitting here doing the the Portuguese menopause. Uh, you know, more split personalities than UTFO. So the Knicks have been an uh, absolute, you know, joy as a distraction. I'm going to tell you 100%. But since, like I told you before a thousand times, when it's not your team, when I look at the teams that are my team, my perspective is skewed. I'm pissed off. I'm stressed. I'm angry. But I look at the Knicks, you know, and from far away, they're not my team. I don't root against them. But, like, when I look at the Knicks as opposed to the Jets, let me tell you something. The Jets got the 4th, the 10th, the 35th, and the 38th pick. If they get 50% of those picks right, they might make it to 6 and 11 or 7 and 10. But with the Knicks and basketball, with it being a five-person team, you look at this draft right now, there's 10 legitimate team-altering players. And – it doesn't make a difference whether you got the third pick, the fourth pick, the sixth pick, or the eighth pick. The Knicks are going to be in a much better place than where they are this year because last year, as everybody knows, was an anomaly. And all that, like with the Tibbs and the Randall thing, listen, famo, that stuff is all going to work itself out. You know it is. You think in 2023 either one of them are going to be here Probably not. If it goes like this, you know. Well, at what point in 2023? Before you know, like you're talking about next season, or you're talking, talking about, about next season, season after that? Next season by when's the All Star break? It's in February. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Randall will be gone by then, and whoever they draft, you you listen to me. I'm telling you. The Knicks are in a better position than the Jets. Like I said, it's less well, That's players. not saying much. I mean, that's, you know. But, no, 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 no. Listen to me. Hear me out. They get a player who's decent, good, good with the potential to be great. If Tom Thibodeau plays that game from October 
to January of we got to fill them out. I got to see defense. Uh, we got to play tough. You know, all these different uh, adjectives that he uses. That next kid is going to be on that court, and you're going to have a new coach. Because like uh, Bruce said the other day, you know, he said he wanted to hear all of the fans who said bad things about R.J. Barrett. I was one of them. I didn't believe in him. And guess what? At his height, he could be a Paul George. He could be a Jimmy Butler. Each one of those guys are a two. Eventually, eventually, you're going to draft somebody by hook or crook, by incompetence or brilliance. The luck of the draw says you're going to get one of those guys. And if Tibbs can't, you know, acquiesce to letting them play 35 minutes, grow on the court, blah, 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 he'll be gone by February 2. Julius Randle was movable. It's just going to take some time. All right, Buddha, thanks for the thought. Um, yeah, but I was kind of hoping I wouldn't have to wait till February to get rid of Julius Randle. <laughs> and just uh, Buddha saying that the draft is, is 10 deep. As of right now, according to NBA Tankathon, the Knicks are in line for the 12th pick. <laughs> They are thanks. in line. But, 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 you know. Thanks, courtesy of this current win. Uh, the win streak is now over, but the, the previous win streak. Yes. Well, you didn't, know, but didn't ping help. pong ball, ping, mm-hmm. ping pong, ping pong can help out. You know, they, they're due. Okay. I mean, not since Ewing. I mean, right. hello. <laughs> they're, they're, they're one game behind uh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and New Orleans is, is currently 10. Yes. So there's still there's still hope left. There's still there's still, still, well, there's still look, some time. Hey Gordon, Gordon, you know, how many more games you think they're winning? Well, look, I didn't <laughs> think they were winning anymore. I've been saying, oh, they're they're six back and with 13 to play, they're not going to win six games the rest of the way. Then they go out and win four in a row for the first time all year. Yeah. So what do I? The Knicks, whatever you don't want to have happen, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, well, let's well, well now we want them to win. Let's tell them that we want them yes, to win some games. Let's win some games. Let's finish win, strongly. Finish strong. We'll take this into next season, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just not true, bro. It's just not true. Um, it's as simple as that, bro. It's just not true at all. Hey, I know you said a few maybe months ago that you want to be here long term. Um, if it ain't come for me, it ain't true. How, I mean, how, how committed are you still to? Fit. I just, my answer ain't changing, bro. You know what James Harden said before he left? <laughs> he thinks he got booed tonight. Wait until people hear this. If he didn't come for me, it's not true. I don't know what you're talking about. That's what yeah. Harden said before he got out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in, in fairness to Julius, uh, James has a, has a history of that. So yes, that was yeah. not really all that surprising. It's ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN, Hardesty and Damer. And, and Gordon is, is just, it, it's really, because that was the rumor that he had asked for a trade. Uh, he wanted to trade out of here. I got a text from a couple of people. He's gone. Yay, he's gone. I'm like, no, it's not that simple. <laughs> it's no. not that simple. Not that Moving simple. that contract? Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Not that simple at all. As you requested, my friend, yes. Adam Schefter, and the question uh, what led for Bruce Arians to say, I want to get out of coaching and move to the front office? 
Well, I think it's been going on. The conversations have been happening here. And I think that he said in his statement, Bruce Arians did, that his health was not an issue. And that's great. You want him to be healthy and right. I still think that later in life, I don't know if his health was perfectly fine. And I think that there are a number of factors that contributed to it. And he is going to move into a consultant role with the Buccaneers office. He is going to have an office in the building. He will be a part of the organization. He's just not going to have the responsibilities and the day-to-day workload that comes along with being a head coach. And they had been in discussions and Bruce Arians wanted to tell his assistant coaches this evening. And once he did, the team released a statement saying that he would be moving to a front office role and that Todd Bowles would be taking over as the new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He becomes the fourth black head coach in Buccaneers franchise history, which is two more than any other franchise in, across the NFL has had. So Buccaneers go with Todd Bowles. Bruce Arians moves into a front office role. And obviously the league that continues to make major moves has another one, an unexpected one tonight. So, Shefty, any pressure from Tom Brady to move Bruce into the front office? Well, I, I do think that it is a decision made by Bruce Arians. I do think that. Now, I do think that there also will be speculation about the question that you asked. That will come up. I don't know that we're ever going to say how valid it is or isn't. Um, there's been speculation about their relationship, about how well they do or don't get along. I think Tom's got a healthy amount of respect for Bruce Arians. But I think those questions do exist. And I think they'll continue to come up here. I don't have an exact answer for you other than those questions will be asked, which I think is in and of itself something that is of note. And Shefty on uh, Spain and Fitz with those comments today, Gord. Yeah. So the way he answered it, I mean, he talked around it very well, but it kind of, to me, seems like there's at least some smoke to the, to the fire. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you, you would have to think so. I mean, you know, I, I read a good line the other day. Ooh, you don't sure. need to be able to read it to, to see the writing on the wall. You can see the mm. writing on the wall even when you can't read what it says. So mm. it kind of feels like that here. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good line. That's a really good line. Let's go back to Julius Randle, Gordon, as we, as we go back and forth with different sports. So uh, here's the question. It seemed last year you had a good relationship with the city – and it's different now. Why? Uh, probably something you should ask yourself, man. I'm, I'm not really sure. You don't, you don't agree with that. I mean, I'm cool, bro. Like, like I said, my my um my goal and you know what I work hard for is uh to make the city proud, to make the fans proud. Um, you know, I play for my teammates, play for my family, uh, and it's as simple as that, bro. Like. It's nothing. It's nothing. Nothing more than that. So, uh, from the inside looking out, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's it is what it is. At the, at, at, you know, and I understand that a lot of times you got to just kind of let your game do the talking and, and and go from there. But like I said, man, I love the city. I love uh, my family. Loves it here, and uh, you know, I'm a Nick. That's what I. That's what I love. I love being a Nick. So, let me ask you this, Gordon. Is there anything he could do to try and rehabilitate and repair what's been done? Is there anything he could do? Is, is there anything that's not, not remaining of the season, clearly, because this is, this is done. But is there anything he could do, to, and let's say at the start of next season, until they move him, is there anything he can do to just, you know, repair what's been done? Not only to the fans, but most importantly, with all due respect to the fans, to his teammates. 
Well, I think it comes back to the attitude, right? I mean, it's one thing that the production has dropped. And at the end of the day, it's all about wins and losses. You know, he could act however he wanted. If the Knicks were winning games, the clip that they were winning last year, people would excuse it away. Well, you know, it's just his process. He's frustrated. He loves the game. He's, he wants to win every, every time out. Uh, but it's, it really comes down to wins and losses. But for him, just personally what he can do, I think that the attitude has to be uh, adjusted. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, getting into arguments with coaches, with with the refs constantly, uh, showing kind of disinterest, like the other night, flipping the ball back after the game was over, walking off, even after a win, yeah, not seeming like he is as tied in with his teammates as his teammates are tied into him. All those things, I think, could could kind of help the the overall. But and that's just the personal stuff. But over, the the main thing is that they have to win games, and yeah, I, I don't know how. Again, last year was the outlier. That mm-hmm. was that was not a typical season. If you ran a thousand simulations with the talent the Knicks have, I don't. I think very few of them would turn out that they would end up as the number four seed. No, there's no question about it. There's no listen. We didn't think they'd be able to make the playoffs after going through that last gauntlet mm-hmm. of the West Coast trip, right? Mm-hmm. We were all just talking about the West Coast trip. Well, that's it. You know, they're not. We're not going to be able to deal with that. I mean, who's going? How can they deal with that type of situation? You know, L.A. and you know Utah and all the different all the different teams and all the different things that they had. It's um, you know, it, it's crazy. Randall was also asked, "Is it hard for your family to hear? Well, the crowd reaction to you." Uh, I mean, that's probably where m- most of my frustration comes from. You know, I got my um, my five year old son that that's there and. Uh, is obsessed with the game of basketball and loves the game of basketball, and he doesn't understand what's going on. And, uh, you know, that was probably my biggest frustration, you know, coming from him. Um, you know, the time that I sacrificed from him uh, to to put into this game. And, uh, you know, he's he's daddy's little boy. He, he, loves, he loves his dad. So uh, for him to experience that and... Um, you know, him being uncomfortable and, you know, having to leave the games and stuff like that. Uh, as a father, that's what bothered me more than anything. But, like, at the same time, like, you, you got to understand it comes with the territory. Uh, at the end of the day, the narrative can always, you know, flip. So I understand that. I understand it's New York City. I understand that's just what comes with it. And I understand how passionate our fans are. So uh, you just kind of got to live with the good and the bad. That's interesting, Gordon. Uh, and and listen, you understand that you feel that way for your family. You feel bad that your son hears that. Uh, but you know what? In, in one sense, Gordon, you kind of you can have a say in controlling that. It's got to play better. You just got to play better, even if the team doesn't do well, and you're and the team and the play, fans feel that you're giving it your all. They're not going to just boo you just to be booing you. It's People have said it over and over, and, and, you know, as a Nick fan, I hear it. I understand it. it. It's kind of uncomfortable because I think other fans root for their teams very hard. But the Nick fan is a passionate fan, loyal, Gordon, and they will they will cheer for somebody. We're kind of easy, too, because we'll cheer for somebody diving on the floor for a loose ball. <laughs> they may not hit a shot, but we'll say, boy, did you see how he dove on the floor for that ball? I love that hustle. So th- that's kind of what, what we are. We are – the Nick fan is really a reflection, I think, Gordon, of the 90s Knicks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they want the effort and the heart and, and all that type of stuff, and, and that's what we've been asking for as Nick fans for years, and that's what we got last year. And it mm-hmm. was, again, 
Last year was not the rousing success that it turned out to be near the end of the regular season for a long, large stretch of the, the season last year. They were kind of floating around 500, a couple games over, a couple games under. couple. But, but Nick fans were completely bought in because mm-hmm. on a regular basis they did not take days off. Right. And, and hearing him talk, I look, everybody has sensitivity towards kids. You, you put yourself in his position. If his, if his son is going, young, he is a very young son. He's probably four or five or six, somewhere around that. They're very young at that age. It's not like they're, they're a young teen or something like that. So you, you don't want them to be in a situation where, you know, people are booing dad and he doesn't understand it. So I, obviously you have some, some sympathy there. Mm-hmm. But, again, it, it is the situation that you find yourself in. And Nick fans, they're like every other fan except they're more passionate. They're booing because they want to cheer. Mm-hmm. They want to cheer for you, and you're not allowing them to cheer because of the way you're playing, the way the team is playing. So it's about getting him to buy back in if that's possible, or maybe it, it kind of goes back to that, that's the storyline that's emerged here the last couple of days. Maybe he's just not right for the city. Yeah. May, yep. may, you know, if he wants his kid to go to games and, and never hear any criticism of all, uh, uh, if it, even if his dad is playing poorly. Sacramento. It, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this might this might not be the place for him. Yeah, might not be. Or, he's, or he needs to go to a team that's better. <laughs> right. You know where where his role is not as as demanding. You know where he's he's not the he's not the the, the main guy. Maybe he's number two or number three. And then and then the expectations aren't high. He just he fits right in. Maybe that's the option. You know, maybe it, we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. Gordon, I got a couple of quick hitters before we leave in the next couple of minutes. I was looking at uh, Mike Tannenbaum's mock draft on ESPN+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Number four, he has the Jets taking Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State. It's surprising. I've not really seen him go that high. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an outlier. I don't know if Mike is just trying to put the pieces together of who he likes. You know, mm-hmm. with mock drafts, it's always, are, are you doing what you think the teams will do or you're right. doing what you would do? And as a former general manager, I would think that maybe he's doing what he would do if he were in that spot rather than what the Jets did. But kind of tailoring, okay, the Jets do need a receiver. He's not just, you know, doing whatever. Right. I'm taking right. a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it might have more to do with who he thinks are the best players in the draft for that spot. He chose Evan Neal, the offensive tackle for, from Alabama for the Giants at number mm-hmm. five. At number seven, he took Kayvon Thibodeau for the Giants. Mm-hmm. And at number 10, he gave the Jets Jermaine Johnson the second, the defensive end out of the Florida State. And he says, maybe I'm just trying to make up for trading away John Abraham 16 years ago. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't feel like Mike Tannenbaum is that old that he was with the Jets 16 years ago. Isn't that amazing? I think yeah. he was the cap guy. Yeah, one of the cap guys. They were, I guess they, he is. Know, came I in mean, with Parcells. Is one of the cap guys. So he's been around there. He's been around there for a while. It's amazing there. that John Abraham has gone for sixteen years, man. That's a long yeah. time. And they haven't had the pass rusher. Since. No, they have not. They have not. <laughs> it's we'll talk about due. Oh, they yes, are way they are overdue. Way overdue. All right, my friend. Be good on the radio tomorrow, and uh, we'll hear from you tomorrow night. Yeah, you're off tomorrow night. Yes, I am taking a day off, so Gordon will be flying solo. So uh, be kind to him. And good luck this weekend with North Carolina, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that. We'll talk soon, my friend. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.